Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 28. It seems like there's always something new or changing at Royal Caribbean these days, hence the purpose of this blog. And so this week, I wanted to look at a few recent changes and discuss my thoughts about it. In fact, I've invited my friend Michael Poole back to the podcast to talk about these changes. So here we go. Royal Caribbean changes a lot with new amenities, restaurants, and choices for their guests to consider. Likewise, policies and rules get updated periodically, along with Royal Caribbean being in the national spotlight for good and bad reasons. So on this episode, I've invited friend, part-time blogger, and full-time book-a-new-cruise enabler, Michael Poole, back to Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast to discuss some of these recent changes with me. Welcome back, Michael. Hey, guys. I'm excited to be back, and it's good to talk to you all, and I look forward to talking about the roundtable discussions. Absolutely. I thought we could kind of discuss something about this because, you know, Michael and I, you and I have discussed some of this stuff off the air. You know, like if something come up, you're like, you know, we'll trade text messages. When when we met up in New York a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, actually now, the, you know, we were kind of like talking shop. So we thought, you know what, let's have an opportunity to share with our listeners, kind of, you know, go back and forth discussing our thoughts on some new things that are new to Royal Caribbean. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of share our insight with the audience. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about things are always changing in the cruising industry. So I'm excited to kind of share some new things that are happening in the cruise industry for 2014. Absolutely. So I think we're going to have to start with the big news of last week. We would be remiss if we ignored it. And that's, of course, the unfortunate incident of Explorer. This is you probably heard about this. Over 600 people got sick with norovirus. And, you know, it's something that happens in the cruise industry. You know, it's, it's one of those things that happens. You know what I mean? What, what I wanted to know, Michael, was what are your thoughts on how Royal Caribbean handled the incident? I've actually thought they handled it pretty well. Um, they, you know, extremely compensated the passengers. They got a half refund, a half voucher for the next cruise. And they decided to, you know, to bring the ship back to, to New York, New Jersey to, you know, end the cruise two days early to clean the ship. I couldn't have asked for a better better solution for Royal Caribbean, um, and I thought they handled it with, with first class. I agree about the compensation. I mean, Royal Caribbean doesn't have to do that. The cruise contract does not require – they could sail in circles, and you could have the worst cruise in your life. They don't have to give you any money back. So I, I agree with you 100%. Them giving 50% refund and 50% towards a new cruise, you know, that's certainly a, a great token. You know, the thing was – I was kind of thinking about it, Michael, and I was like – I was comparing it in my mind. Maybe it's unfair. I don't know. You tell me. I was comparing this incident versus the the fire last year on Grandeur of the Seas and how they kind of handled each incident. And, you know, I got to I got to admit, I think they could have been better in the PR standpoint. They just didn't seem to put out any information. Like, remember when the fire, they were posting photos. They had up like up to the minute tweet updates. I mean, they were really on it and they seemed to really learn a lot from, I think, the Carnival Triumph disaster in terms of how to handle that. And here. You know, I felt like they just weren't as forthcoming in this case. There were no photo updates. They had a press release or two. I don't know. I, I thought they could have done a little bit better from the press standpoint. They handled the guests. And, and you know what? Every single person who posted on Cruise Critic or answered any of the news, they were always like, yeah, the, the, the crew was amazing. They like, you know, they were totally helping everybody out, you know, really there for everyone. So maybe I'm just having an issue with corporate communications more than anything else in terms of how they kind of handled the situation. But... I don't know. Does that make sense, or am, am I off my rocker here? No, that makes perfect sense. The only thing I can think of is there were still 2,000 passengers who weren't infected and still had a great cruise, um, and it's almost like they didn't want to make a big deal out of 600 passengers infected. I mean, it's a large percentage, but 
in comparison, you know, with the grander fire, they were posting nonstop World Caribbean PR, Twitter account, pictures. Uh, and it, it, it did seem like they kind of wanted to slide this under a little bit uh, with the norovirus. Um, so maybe they could have been a little more open about it uh, because sure. now it's kind of slidden under. They're not talking about it at all. No. And then, you know what? Norovirus, is a, it's, I, I was talking about something else about it. It's something that just it happens. It happens to every cruise line. And quite frankly, no cruise line can really be – can do anything that will prevent it 100 percent. It's just not possible. It, it's unfortunately something that – you know, is is not a thousand percent preventable. There's certain things they can they can talk till they're blue in the in the face to their guests about how to you know what they should and shouldn't do. But ultimately, you know, if someone doesn't answer that survey when they get on the ship or or you know get something up on the island. I mean, stuff happens, unfortunately, and you know it, it happens across. That's why when I see news about like you know maybe a different cruise line getting it, I'm not one of those people that makes the jokes because I know it's like you know what this can definitely happen and it has happened on Royal Caribbean before. So um, it, it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, they can they can do everything they want to prevent it, but you're right, it, it can happen. And you know, I was mentioning when I was in Coco Cay two weeks ago, I was at the buffet and I noticed that they actually had crew members at the buffet line handing you the food with the tongs, where you you know at a buffet you serve yourself. And I thought, well, this is kind of strange that, you know, there's people serving you at a buffet line. And then after we went through security, there was a man that sprayed our hands instead of like the typical hand sanitizer you put your hand under. He actually had a spray bottle and was spraying our hands. And then come to find out there was we were sharing the Coco Cay with the Majesty that day and they had a small outbreak of the norovirus while we were in Coco Cay. And I was like, okay, wow. now it makes sense. So they were trying to prevent an outspread by doing those small things. That's great. And by the way, I did notice the not so subtle. I'm not sure if our listeners picked up on that you just mentioning, Oh, by the way, I was in Coco Cay two weeks ago. So <laughs> <laughs> way to rub it in. Well, you know, I, I like to get away. It's it's cold in Tennessee. Yep. So let's move to a new policy that began just a few weeks ago where Royal Caribbean is no longer charging a late fee for unreturned pool towels. In fact, there's no more using your CPAS card to rent towels. You just grab them and go. So are you a fan of this? I am. And, you know, I did get to take advantage of this a couple of weeks ago when I was on the enchantment. And it was just I noticed that no one was even working the pool station. You just kind of like helped yourself you just went up they were all folded nicely you grabbed as many as you wanted and kind of returned them and it was nice you didn't have to wait in that long line to return a pool towel after the day so i i love this policy you know the one thing i was saying before when the policy was announced was you know even if you wanted to steal the towels like i don't want to steal towels that i don't know how many other people have used even if they're washed i mean other people have used those towels quite a bit so it's not you know it's fine for drying myself off at the beach but I'm not all about stealing their pool towels that have, you know, they're not exactly the best towels in the world. And I, you know what? From forgetting that, how about it's just better from the guest experience, right? I mean, you went, you go to, the, you know, you pick up the towels, no more waiting in line, no more worrying about returning them. Like, you know how many times, like, it'd be like 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, and I'd be like, we got to return the pool towels. I'm like, Ugh. which, of course, means I have to go return the pool towels. So it's like, you know, it's like, uh, I have to go all the way back up to deck 11, bring the towels with me. You know, it's like, it's just a hassle. And this makes, I think, all of our lives easier, right? Yeah, it was a simple fix, and it really made my pool experience a little better. Like I said, there was just no lines, and you could just, I exchanged some days twice in one day. Just walked up, dropped the dirty towel, and grabbed a new one. There you go. 
So Royal Caribbean subtly announced during their uh, financial results the other day that they are still considering building a fourth Oasis-class cruise ship. So, Michael, do you think they should? I love the Allure and Oasis, so I'm all for it. You know, a third one's going to be great, so if it's successful, why not do a fourth one? I would imagine, though, if they build a fourth one, I would say that it's going to be overseas. It's just guessing. If we have two to three in the United States, we probably won't get to benefit from it here locally. Yeah, I mean, they've been making money on, on Oasis and Allure like gangbusters. I mean, they're just making money hand over fist on it. It's still retaining its value quite well. And like you said, the third, most people expect to be the case as well. And, you know, since it's not our money and we can say, sure, spend another billion dollars, which is what the ship costs. The, the, the truth, though, is I think it's I think it's it's one of the best things they can do. The Oasis class, I think, is one of their best efforts they've done. You know, I and we should also mention when they did this, they also mentioned they were not going to build a fourth quantum class and that doesn't mean they won't necessarily build another fourth quantum class but you know looking back historically i mean you look at vision class you look at voyager class you know those classes all had many many ships uh you know voyager had what uh five five right and radiance has like uh radiance has a couple as well uh vision class has like i don't know six seven of them i mean there's a lot of them so you know having just two or three is actually not the norm it's actually more usual for for a company to build you know uh more than you know three four even five and more cruises because again the cost the development cost is is nothing they already developed it so they're just here's the blueprints go for it and it's a lot less it's a lot cheaper than they say coming up with a new class of ships and you know what if if there's demand for it and clearly there is i mean you you've seen michael the the expansion royal Caribbean's doing in asia and Maybe Europe is doing a little bit better now. It looks like you know th- there might be a slight turnaround there, and of course, the United States this is the United States. I-, I I don't see why not, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if they're selling, absolutely, in, and I think we're going to see some change in the ships in the next you know twelve to eighteen months. So I could possibly see two to three Oasis class ships, you know, in Florida between Florida and Texas. So why not build a fourth one? And you are right; most of the classes have five to six ships. Okay. Lastly, Michael, I want to do something a little different, but still, it's fun. I'm going to uh, actually flagrantly rip off friends of the show, the semi-defunct Crowncast, and bring up a hot post from the boards, where I find an interesting thread on Cruise Critic, and we're going to share our take on it. So you ready for it? Yes. All right. Now, I did avoid some of the really absurd ones, (laughs) the ones that have like 50 50 pages of replies, and it's just, you know, anyway. Our post this week comes from... Beeford, B-E-A-F-E-R-D, Beeford. Anyway, and she writes, my husband and I are considering eating breakfast in the main dining room, but we've always gone to the Windjamer. Am interested in everyone's pros and cons. There are quite a bit of opinions on this. So, Michael, do you eat breakfast in the main dining room? I have occasionally. I generally will do one to two breakfasts in the main dining room. It's a longer dining experience, so... You know, if you have a morning that's wide open, go for the main dining room. But I am generally a fan of the Windjammer. In and out, grab your breakfast, and go with on your day. You know, I like to soak up the sun rays. So Windjammer is normally my choice, but I always at least do the main dining room at least once. Yeah, and I agree. I think I like the main dining room for breakfast. I agree it does take significantly longer. And the menu, if I'm not mistaken, the wind in the main dining room does not change for breakfast, as does neither does the Windjammer for that matter. The thing is... You know, outside of the the of the omelet station at the Windjammer, which I just live on, that's my, that is my breakfast of champions right there. I go get my <laughs> my egg white omelet, 
pick up some some veggies and and the home fries and and that is the Matt Hotchberg breakfast right there. But you know, outside of that, unfortunately, the the rest of the I've always, and I've said this before. I don't feel like the breakfast at the Windjam Air is like it's a lot of just like meh. Like it's always the same breakfast. You know, like lunch and dinner is always different. There's always different things to try out. For the breakfast, it doesn't change all that much. But then again, the main dining room isn't exactly blowing my socks off. But I, I agree with you. I think it's worth doing, you know, certainly once or twice, right? Just get a little variety. And, you know, for sea days, it's perfect because, you know, you're probably just, you know, taking it easy anyway. So what's another, you know, 20 minutes, right? Yeah, I agree with you. The Wind Jimmer's breakfast is kind of like, ugh. And I will say, if our listener is sailing on Oasis Earler, definitely check out Park Cafe for breakfast. Oh, that's a good idea. See, there's there's option uh, option C, and of course, also on uh, on the Oasis or Alert, Johnny Rockets is open for breakfast. That's true. It, yeah, and they have great, you know, hash browns, cooked order. It kind of reminds me of a waffle style, waffle house style breakfast. Exactly. Yes. So there's some. Yeah, you're right. There are some other options depending on which ship they're going on. So yeah, worth trying out. I think once I wouldn't necessarily recommend going every single day. It's good to you know, go to the Windjamer, grab something quickly, and be on your way. So. Uh, before we go, Michael, though, now I, I know you know, I usually ask our guests, and I've done this to you in the past, where some questions to get to know them, but of course I've asked you them before. So I have a new question for you. Okay. What is your next Royal Caribbean cruise that you've booked, and when is it? Currently, I'm booked on the Freedom October 26th and the Adventure November 16th, but you and I both know that there will be something between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way i can go that long i will most likely do something in april or may and of course the other question i wanted to ask you was it's been a while since we had you on the on the podcast is what's your favorite song on the radio or ipod that you have today my favorite song is oh my gosh Matt. um <laughs> you on the spot here <laughs> Um, let's go with uh, Bruno Mars, you know, their halftime show. That was a great, great halftime show during the Super Bowl. There you go. No worries with that. All right, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. I look forward to next time and have a great week. Well, that's all we have time for this week. I want to thank again Michael Poole for joining me on today's show. It was a lot of fun talking shop with him. And, of course, we'll be back again next week with another new episode. I'll be back from my Navigator of the Seas cruise to give you some insight into my experience there. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon.